Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's going on, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks, presented by the Ford F-Series. It's our Sunday night episode, our 10 takeaway episode. And uh, Bucky, man, you've been you've been crushing on our show. You've been going out moonlighting and going to games. Please tell me that you, you at least took a little bit of time for yourself this afternoon. I did take some time for myself. This time I didn't go. I didn't go to the Eagles game. I was gonna go to the Eagles Chargers game. I punted on it. Got a chance to watch some other games. It was a long weekend of watching college and pro football. So no, didn't double dip. Let's see. You deserve that, man. That's a full day. You did a full day today, and uh, and got a little time like we all should in the afternoon to just enjoy football as a fan. Uh, I want to get into these ten takeaways, Buck, but I have to mention a tweet that we just got. I'm just looking down on my phone. This is from uh, this is from K Hart who said, man, I'd love to see Move the Sticks and Bucky Brooks tip their cap for the Bills this week. Hashtag Bills Mafia. So, look, Buck, I, I have my 10 takeaways that we came together and, and put down on paper, and uh, I almost feel guilty because among those 10, I did not have the Buffalo uh, Bills. So I thought oh, I have it. give that guy a little love and talk about the Bills. I have it. I had it down because I, I, I think we do need to talk about their defense because their defense has played lights out. And, you know, actually their defense is playing the way that I expected it to play under Rex Ryan. For whatever reason, it didn't work. Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier come in. They kind of streamline everything. These guys are back to playing fast. They're being aggressive. They're first in turnovers. And more importantly, I look at a team, the Buffalo Bills, that really have adopted the identity of their coach. They're a no-nonsense, blue-collar team. They're a hard-hatting, lunch-pail group. And they're winning games in that fashion. And the more they win, the more they buy in to the message that Sean McDermott is preaching. And to me, you look at Tyrod Taylor, no interceptions. He doesn't have to throw the ball a bunch 20 times. But I think he's playing good football, making big plays, extending plays, making some things happen, finding Charles Clay, getting him involved. Uh, I like what the Bills are doing, Bucky. So I think we definitely, out of the top of the show, needed to give them some love. Um, let's jump in though, as we normally do, we normally start with the, with the Sunday night contest. And this one was a game 
where it looked like a mismatch on paper, but Seattle had been scuffing a little bit. They needed to get things turned around. I thought it was a, a balanced effort from the Seahawks in terms of being able to run the ball, get some plays in the passing game down the field, and then I thought defensively fly around, generate some turnovers, and actually score some points on that side of the ball. Looked like the old Seahawks. Yeah, it did look like the old Seahawks. I'm still a little concerned because they can't get the running game untracked the way that you, you, you want to see it. But um, they got a workmanlike effort, had a bunch of guys contribute, Eddie Lacy, Chris Carson before the injury, uh, McKissick had a big run. Um, so they were able to get some of those things. Russell Wilson find his groove pretty much in the second half. But defensively, they continue to be the gold standard for how to play defense. We saw them make plays on defense, not – Jacoby Brissett around, contain the running game, force turnovers. This is how Seattle has to play. It's going to be inconsistent on offense because the offensive line just can't dominate to the level that we want to see them dominate. But as long as their defense can play at a high level, they always have a chance. Yeah, I thought that was the best their offensive line looked in a long time. You know, to me, just being able to uh, get some things going in a, in a variety of guys. Well, look, you don't have a 100-yard rusher, but they ended up rushing for 194 yards with a cast of guys. You rattle off the list, and Russell Wilson contributing his 38 yards. That helps the cause uh, there as well. Now, there's an injury with Chris Carson, who had kind of become the, the bully runner for them, been that physical back. Unfortunately, it looks like he might be down for a little bit, and, uh, and that's uh, something they'll have to overcome. I'll be honest with you. I had to look it up with McKissick, Buck. Did you remember doing him at all coming out? I had no (laughs) knowledge. I looked back through my notes from the 2016 draft. I couldn't find much, if anything, on Mr. J.D. McKissick. No, I don't have anything on him. Nothing. (laughs) Archie State, man. Archie State. He got me on that one. But look, uh, I want to get to some of those other rookie running backs later on in in these takeaways. But, uh, man, he's got a little juice, and uh, he looked nice. I I like what he brought to the table. But the injury to Chris Carson gets me to point number two on our takeaways. Man, the bummer for me of the day. I hate to bring this down so early, but we were sitting there on the show, NFL Game Day Live, when Dalvin Cook kind of blew a tire. Oh, that was rough, man. That's That's a big blow for that football team. It's a big blow if you're a football fan, just getting to see a guy who's just so gifted and so natural and made the transition from college to the NFL just seamless. Yeah, he was coming into his own. I mean, he was a difference maker. When I went to training camp up there, they talked about how he's special. Um, They thought he was going to come right away, be an impact player, really change what they could do offensively because he was a guy that could not only play the traditional running back position, he was capable of going outside, playing some wide out, catching the ball out the backfield, added a dimension to the passing game. And they thought Sam Bradford would certainly benefit from his presence without him it changes kind of the tenor and the tone of that offense. But lucky for them, they had signed Latavius Murray. He's a guy that can kind of step in. He's not necessarily the same player as Dalvin Cook, but he's a Pro Bowl player in his own right. I think they still can be successful. They have to tweak the system a little bit to fit Murray, but I think they still should be a fine team because I think they play football the right way, and on defense they can knock it around with anybody. Uh, The Lions sitting here at 3-1. Are you buying the Lions as uh, potentially winning this division? Yeah, I'm I'm big on the Lions. I'm big on the Lions because it starts with the quarterback. Matthew Stafford, to me, last year played at the MVP level prior to the injury. He can make every throw. He's a proven winner when it comes down to bringing his team back. He performs in the clutch. We've seen the amount of fourth-quarter comebacks and game-winning drives that he's delivered throughout his career, but now he's understanding how to manage and play the game. He's playing smarter. He's taking care of the ball, and because he's taking care of the ball, he has given his team more opportunities to win games yeah i think they've got a legit shot here i think this injury to dalvin cook is big and we'll see how long sam bradford's going to be gone 
need to get him back in the mix. I thought Case Keenum made some big plays today. I thought he has a solid day, but they're they're a better football team when they have Sam Bradford out there rolling and, and being his accurate, normal self there. Uh, next takeaway, number three on my list. We've talked about this before, and I've posed this question several times was, man, your life's on the line, and you got to have a, you know, a play be made down in the red zone, a third down, and, and you have to have the ball caught. Over the last decade, I, I don't know if anybody I would trust more than Larry Fitzgerald, and ho-hum, he goes out and gets another walk-off winner today. I mean, he's just he's ageless wonder. I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, he's unbelievable. He is a diligent worker, um, had opportunity to be around him a little bit this summer, and he just talked about how much time he puts into the preparation phase and how nothing that he does on the football field is an accident. It is because he has put in the time, put in the work, catching balls off the jugs machine, getting himself ready, and you see him make those kind of plays. The fact that he had a walk-off uh, touchdown to kind of seal the game, I don't think anybody's surprised. I think we're more surprised when he doesn't come up with those uh, magnificent catches because he's done it year after year after year after year since being a top pick in the draft. Uh, this is my this is my off-the-wall uh, thought here when you look at the San Francisco 49ers and what they've done. I actually think this is going perfect for them when you look at it because they're, they're, they're a ways away. they got a young roster. they got some good young players. So mm-hmm. what you've seen from them outside of the first week when they, they get, the Panthers got after them 23-3, to you look at the Seattle game, they lose 12-9. to You're competitive. you got young guys flying around, getting some things done. You're getting an identity on defense. Come back the next week against the Rams, it's a shootout, 41-39. to You see some offensive players step up, make some plays. But you just miss, you just narrowly miss winning that ball game. Then this one comes down to a walk-off. You lose 18 to 15 against the Cardinals. So you're getting young players' experience. No expectations this year. Find yourself sitting with that top two, three pick next year in the draft. You're going to have a big asset. You could potentially be in the market for Kirk Cousins. Uh, if he floats out there, it's much publicized about his connection with Kyle Shanahan. So I, I kind of look. You want to win football games. It's all about winning and losing. It's a winner's league, no question. But they they don't have any expectations on this team this year. Be competitive each and every week and get yourself some capital in the offseason. I kind of think this is going perfectly for the Niners. I'm, I actually uh, have been impressed with the way that they've played, the way that they play on defense in particular. You talk about a young roster that's kind of loaded with um, some hidden gems. Team about Ruben Foster and Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner and some of the other young guys that they have playing on that side of the ball. They're good. I, I, I do believe they're doing exactly how it should be done. You want to play well enough to keep your fans engaged, but you want to make sure you get a top pick because, look, Brian Hoyer can't be the answer at quarterback. They need to find a young quarterback that they can eventually build around. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan wants his guy to be able to kind of build around. And so, yeah, if they're sitting at the top of the draft, um, they have an opportunity to take one of the quarterbacks that are available. They can kind of have a jump start off of this season because they're competitive. They just need something to push them over the top. How about Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner? They each had a sack. They each hit the quarterback four times. I mean, so they've got some things you can build off of here when you watch this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, Larry Fitz, hats off to you. Man, I, I wish everybody could could grow old gracefully the way he has. What, what a stud. Uh, number four on the list here, Buck, Jameis Winston. Man, he, when he's dialed in, he, he has a capability. We, we talked about this a little bit when that draft was coming out with him and Marcus Mariota with, in terms of, when you're dialed in, everything that's on your plate and being able to work the whole field, Jameis Winston, to me, ceiling-wise, is just much higher than, than Mariota. And you saw him today. He was locked in, and he was dealing. 
Absolutely. I mean, we sat there side by side and watched him in the championship game when he absolutely had to make plays and made those plays. The one thing that kind of separates him from some other young quarterbacks is his ability to throw with timing and anticipation. He is unafraid of making the big boy throw inside the numbers, inside the hashes. He will let it go. He will give his guys chances. He can see it before they get open, and that is something that only the great ones have the ability to do. But more importantly, he's a leader. And the expectations are high on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. People expect him to fight their way into the playoffs. He's embraced it. The only thing that he has to continue to remind himself is to not try to do it all by himself. He can do everything that you want to see at the quarterback position. He just doesn't need to be a hero because that team is good enough around him to allow them to win games. And stick a fork in the Giants, by the way. Are we? Uh, I mean, look, I, we, I think we both talked about them making a potential Super Bowl run this year. 0-4, uh, that ship sailed. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's so hard. I mean, what you're asking them to do, typically the magic number is 10. So that means they have to win 10 out of the next 12 games. Man, that is a that's a and to be fair, hell of a run. To be fair, everybody was talking about the Giants making a run. So wasn't just wasn't just us here at Moose Yeah, man, that's uh, that's, that's a oof. shocker. I'd like to have that one. Can I reel that one back in? Yes. Uh, yes. I'd like to have that one back, please. Uh, how about this misses. turnaround, though? I, we were joking on NFL Game Day Live about the Bengals. Hey, went and saw the doctor. The doctor said, go play the Browns and call me back in the morning. And, uh, and the Browns absolutely cured this football team. The Cincinnati Bengals, Andy Dalton, he locked in 25 of 30, 286, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, I mean, he was he he was so accurate. They couldn't get a lot of heat on him. They got to him with Agba and forced a fumble early in the game. But after that, he just settled in nicely, and, and they had no answers defensively. No, they don't have any answers. And I think the big thing that we have to give credit to Marvin Lewis for is changing the offensive coordinator. When they made the change, they got rid of Ken Zampese, and they put Bill Lazor in at the offensive coordinator spot. He has certainly helped Andy Dalton have tremendous success. Um, one of the things that they talked about doing with Andy is making sure they kind of simplified things and allowed him to kind of get into his comfort zone. And we have seen him get into his comfort zone. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers from the last two weeks. Like uh, It's crazy. He is 46 of 57, um, well over 500 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions, passer ratings in both games of 124.1 and 146.0 respectively. Andy Dalton is in an offense that is better tailored to his skill set. I saw him be more decisive. I saw him throw with rhythm. I saw him begin to build the confidence. Andy Dalton has been a guy that has led his team repeatedly to the playoffs. Bill Lazor is finding a way to get him back into their groove. And even though they started out slow in that division, they can bring some of those teams back. Keep an eye on Cincinnati. I think they may be poised to make a run. And how about on the other side for the Browns? Duke Johnson, nine grabs in that game on 10 targets. Not a lot of yards, 47 yards, but uh, uh, definitely somebody that when you talk about a young quarterback and Kaiser wants to get some easy completions mixed in there. Duke Johnson was his guy, but this is uh, like the Browns, they're, they're missing some players, had some key guys out. Let, so let's talk, let's talk about them missing Oof. players, and let's talk about this roster and what they have attempted to do. So if we use the money ball theory, we don't want to accumulate as many assets as you can um, to build up your team, to fortify um, the weak areas of your team. When I look at this team, this team is so young, I don't really know who they're building around. I know you re-signed Jamie Collins. I know you have some other guys that I guess you're banking on being a guy. Miles Garrett, you drafted. Uh, Agba has shown some potential. But if this team is going to really be competitive, at some point 
They got to spend the money to get some free agents. And they have to make sure that they parlay all of those picks into players. And that is the toughest part of the job is to, I got all the picks, now I got to pick the right players. Yeah, they spent some money in this offseason. Look, they went on paid Kenny Britt, which shocked a lot of people, what they paid him. You look at what they did on the offensive line, uh, making a big investment there. They want to have one of the best offensive lines in the league. They think that'll help groom a young quarterback. I think they made a, a tactical error, personally, and we talked about it with Kaiser. I thought Kaiser needed to sit and develop a little bit and then put him out there when he had a chance to be successful. I don't think he was ready to play, and I just hope – you look at what happened to him at Notre Dame confidence-wise when the way things went south on that football team. I, I just don't know if I'm putting him in this situation right now because now you're left in a spot here where you're going to be 0-6, 0-7. You're going to say, okay, do we, do we try and win a couple ball games? Do we take him out? or we we let him run all the way through the whole schedule here? But he's not playing well. I mean, he's not playing well at all. We've seen some of the other quarterbacks we'll get to, these other young quarterbacks, um, show some real some real positive signs. Kaiser's got to get better. This team's not going to be able to win any football games unless he steps up his play. He has to step up his play, and they need to have someone in the receiving core or the tight end uh, core. Someone in that position group has to stand up and be a number one player. And right now, I don't know who their number one would be. I know they paid Kenny Britt like he was going to be their number one. But for what they paid Kenny Britt, they might as well have paid Terrell Pryor because at least he would have been in the system. He's familiar to the coaches. They know how to develop him. He was trending in the right direction. I just think Cleveland right now is a lost cause. They have a lot of, I guess, assets, but I don't know if they have the right people in place that can parlay those assets into not only good picks, but to build a competitive roster. Yeah, well, they've had some opportunities to take quarterbacks over the last couple of years, and they haven't. They ended up getting Kaiser a little bit later on. Uh, one of the young quarterbacks, you look at what he did, and this is a guy we trumpeted throughout the draft process. Talked about him being the guy that, you know, this is a, we thought was a little bit of a flawed group last year, but at the end of the day, we're going to hang our hat on Deshaun Watson because of, of the body of work and because we bought into the person as well as the player. It wasn't perfect, Buck, but we you just get the sense when you're around a guy like this, he's going to figure it out. And golly, it hadn't taken long. What he did in New England last week was impressive. And then he comes out today. All he does is throw four and run one. Uh, he was outstanding against the Tennessee Titans today. Absolutely outstanding. He is everything that we thought he was in terms of a competitor, a big game player, uh, a clutch performer when you really need him to take his game up a notch. Uh, the big thing about Deshaun Watson, I think we will have some of this debate when it comes down to Sam Darnold whenever he elects to come out. Um, you can nitpick him. We can look at the stats and we can say certain things about like, oh, he had double-digit turnovers. But at some point as a scout, you need to put the pen down and you need to watch the game and watch how that quarterback – impacts the game when the game needs to be impacted. Deshaun Watson in those big games, um, the bigger the game, the big, the bigger the stage, the better he played. And there were times today where I absolutely felt like Deshaun Watson was the best guy on the field. Yeah, and I thought, you know, hats off to Bill O'Brien. There had been some knocks in terms of the creativity and how quarterback-friendly uh, this offensive system was. And I thought, you know, we, we documented when we were doing the highlights during the game that they went back into that Clemson playbook a little bit, got some RPOs, got some other things going, and, and got Deshaun comfortable and moving him. And it was, you know, ran some speed options. You got a touchdown on a speed option uh, that was perfectly executed. So I thought it was a creative game plan. I thought getting Will Fuller in the mix was huge, adding him to what they already have. DeAndre Hopkins is, is developing a chemistry uh, with Watson. But, man, this offense is starting to come together. And it's, it's probably a good thing because the defense has been good but they're not at the level that we've seen them like they were last year. 
No, you're absolutely right. Um, hats off to Bill O'Brien because I didn't think he was capable of being able to tailor an offense around Deshaun Watson because he had never shown that capability with any of the quarterbacks that he had prior. Um, in looking at how they were playing with Deshaun Watson, I noticed that they had a, a faster tempo, which is something that Deshaun Watson was used to playing at Clemson, used to playing in high school, moving the thing quickly at the line of scrimmage. Quick rhythm pass the game. We talked about it in the run-up to the draft. He's kind of a pick-and-stick thrower, uh, simple quick passes, catch, rock, and throw, get it out. And they did that. You saw him run quick slants. You saw him run some sticks. He threw the ball well down the seams, still struggles with the deep ball accuracy. But if he can control the middle of the field and really work to underneath areas, he's going to be fine. And I think the final thing, you talked about it, RPOs, read option. We are seeing them allow Deshaun Watson to be the guy that he is. Don't try and put him in a different box. Let him play the game the way that it should be played based on his skill set, and he can have that kind of success. I think it's a lesson in this for the development of all young quarterbacks. We can talk about Watson. We can talk about Jared Goff. We can talk about some of the other guys. You're going to have to meet them halfway if you want to get the production that you think you can get out of them. No question uh, with you 100% on that. How about this one, number seven? Welcome back, Lev Bell. 35, a buck 44, and two touchdowns. He was a workhorse in that game against the Baltimore Ravens. 26 to nine. This game just never felt like it was in question at all. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers dominating the contest, and the Baltimore Ravens on the other side of things. 49 pass attempts for Joe Flacco, 15 runs. That's not going to get it done. But I thought the overall takeaway from this game, the, the Steelers ran the ball 42 times, 35 of those in the belly of Lev Bell. The Steelers have been a huge disappointment. I wrote about it. I've been on TV talking about big men have been off the mark. Lev Bell was rusty. The only guy of the Killer Bees who had really been playing at a high level had been Antonio Brown. This weekend, we had an opportunity to see Lev Bell get back to being the guy. Whenever you miss all the training camp, you can be a little rusty. It typically takes about three or four weeks to kick off the rust to find his rhythm. This is the fourth week. We saw him make those patented runs, the deliberate running style behind the line of scrimmage before bursting get to the second level he did those things but the thing that's most impressive to me out of all the stats 35 carries 35 carries signals to me that he's ready he is now in shape he can handle a big workload and i think the stillers will continue to give him a heavy workload because he sets the table for everybody else and the matchup that we previewed coming into this game martavis bryant against humphrey uh, we, we saw Marlon Humphrey and him matched up several times, and, and uh, they got a couple big plays well. down the field to Bryant. Did, so that did, was a, that was a big matchup that went in the Steelers' favor. Yeah, it didn't go well. Marlon Humphrey bit off a little more than he could chew in Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant, to me, is a Pro Bowl caliber player. Needs to get more production, more touchdowns. But height, weight, speed, route running, playmaking ability, this dude has it all. All right, let's jump into number eight here. I just wrote down Sean McVay's a wizard. Uh, I mean, we've been, I got to see it during the preseason. We've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. We talked about Jared Goff to take that next step, but he got the three Ps. They got him some playmakers. They got him some protection up front, and they got him a heck of a play caller. And watching the way that he just dissected and carved up a, a Dallas Cowboy defense that is always well coached, guys in position. But he got Todd Gurley loose, 23 carries, a buck 21, seven catches for 94 yards and a touchdown, including a beautiful strike right down the rail from Goff. He's got the quarterback playing at a high level. This offense resembles nothing that we saw last year from the Rams. Nothing that 
we saw from the Rams last year. In fact, in the middle of our telecast, I tweeted this out, that if I'm playing Madden and I had to take someone's playbook, I'm going to take Sean McVay's playbook for the Rams because he is one of the masters of moving the pieces around the chessboard, putting his guys in favorable situations where they can make big plays. And surprisingly, this was a game where Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins were pretty much mute. It was Todd Gurley. It was Cooper Cup with the tight ends. Jerry Goff continued to be productive without having his quote-unquote stars on the outside. To me, that signals an offense that is balanced, that is diverse, that no matter what you do to take away whoever you deem to be the most dangerous weapons, they're going to find a way to be successful. Very impressive job by Sean McVay. I'm be honest. I didn't know if he could get this offense going. But I believed in the quarterback, and he absolutely has the quarterback, Dylan. This is the Jared Goff that we thought could play in the National Football League, and he has, man, he has been one of the biggest turnarounds in the National Football League. And last year, this football team was in a similar spot, got off to a hot start, and they and they just fizzled. I, I don't think this team's a little different. I think they've got better coaching on both sides of the ball. I think they're more consistent. I think they're getting better quarterback play. I don't think this team's going away. I think this team's got a legitimate shot to be in the playoffs, Buck. They, they do. Um, they're, they're going to be there right through the end. They're going to be right there. They have to get the defense fixed because right now I don't think any of us would have said, oh, you know, the Rams are going to be an offense-heavy team. The offense is carrying the defense. We thought it would be flipped the other way around. I will say this because in our business, and maybe it's not necessarily scouts in the league, maybe it's those on the outsides, we're quick to affix the B word on people, the bus label. Uh, we mm-hmm. heard the bus label for Jerry Goff. We heard people talking about Todd Gurley being a bust and what the Rams turnaround has confirmed for me man coaching matters you get the right coach the right coach can max out the players Ty Gurley Jerry Goff look like franchise players on a Sean McVay hats off to Sean McVay for finding a way to get them into their comfort zone even though Ty Gurley's running nothing more than the outside zone people can't stop him (laughs) they'll be eating people up eating people up on the outside there uh speaking of running the football Cam Newton ran it a little bit today. Eight carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown, his 50th rushing touchdown, which is just absurd uh, for his career. But how about through the year? 22 of 29, 316, 3 and 1. Uh, this was this was kind of MVP like Cam Newton. The, the rust has been knocked off. And I look, the Patriots defense is is awful, but Cam Newton made him pay. And I didn't think they had it in him to go in there and get that win. And, uh, and sure enough, they did. And hats off to Cam. Oh, it was unbelievable because I don't think we really seriously gave them any shot of going to New England and winning. I think this really is a coming out or a rebound game for Cam Newton. There was a lot of pressure, a lot of conversation. Could he get back? We talked about people saying, like, hey, he was only great for a great 10 months. That was a one-year wonder. But I think when you look back at what Cam has been able to do throughout his career, he is what he is. He is a big, talented, dual-threat quarterback who – has tremendous running skills and a big arm. If you try to make him something that he's not, a classic drop-back passer, you will always be underwhelmed because he is not built to play the game that way. It appears to me that the Carolina Panthers discover that. They say, we're going to let Big Fella do what he does, and even if it means that maybe he won't play 15 years, maybe he plays 12 years because he's going to absorb some hits, if he gives you a shot to go to the Super Bowl playing the way that he played, I think you trade it off. That's just what you have to do. It's about the quarterback. Let the quarterback be who he is. No question. Um, it was good to see, and I think when they can 
when they can get him rolling in, in the run game, it just his energy even picks up. You know, you got to balance protecting him, but you see just a little more life in him when he's running with the football, D- and I think he, he takes he throws the ball better once he does that. DJ, I know you're an option quarterback. Um, there's something about taking that early shot in the game yep. where you're like, okay, now I'm in the game. I'm in the fabric of the game. I'm comfortable. I'm relaxed. I believe they kind of had Cam Newton under on, on handcuffed. They had him handcuffed because they didn't necessarily want him to run. They were trying to protect him. But I think he is better at protecting himself when he's outside of the pocket. So let the big fella run the quarterback power, the quarterback zones, those things that we've seen him that have allowed him to score 50 touchdowns. Man, I'm not going to mess with Cam too much. He played at an MVP level. We went to a Super Bowl with him playing like that. It has to be good enough to get back to the Super Bowl because he can do it all over again. No no question. It's good to see him get back in the mix there. I, I Here's my final takeaway here, and I got a couple bonus bonus lines after that. But final one, I just wrote down the Broncos had the best defense in the NFL. I, I don't know if we want to debate it or not, but, I, I mean, look what they did in this contest. You hold Marshawn Lynch. I think he had nine carries for 12 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, nine carries for eight yards. LaShawn McCoy had 14 carries for 21 yards. I mean, you cannot run the ball against this defense. And then – we can't run it. Now you got to sit here and say, okay, we can't run the ball. Now we got to figure out how to block these guys up front with Vaughn Miller and company and Adam Gotsis and Derek Wolf. And, and uh, look, look, eventually we'll see Shane Ray out there, but Barrett's done a nice job. Right? And you got three, the three corners you got to deal with. And then in this game, we kind of see the emergence of what could be a, a superstar safety. And Simmons making a big time high point interception to seal the game where he, he high points the ball and, and really is a 50 50 ball against Amari Cooper. And uh, he just took it from him. So I, I think this is the best defense in the NFL right now. When you think about the best defense, the best defense have the ability to make you a one-dimensional team. And when they make you one-dimensional, that one dimension plays into the strength of their defense. The strength of the Broncos will be their pass rushers and their secondary. They can lock you up man-to-man. They have tremendous safety play. And they have pass rushers that can get after you. But now that they can stop the run, they make you throw into the teeth of their defense – they can do exactly what they want to do on that. And offensively, you're seeing a team that is now playing complimentary football. They're running the ball. They're not asking Trevor Simeon to make too many big plays. They know that their defense can keep the score down. And as long as the defense plays at that high level, that top two, three level, they're going to be a tough out. I do like what I'm seeing from Vance Joseph's young squad. 12, 12 Pro Bowls between those four running backs that they held 95 yards through the four, Jeez, first four weeks. That's insane. That's unreal. Well, Justin Simmons, I went back and looked at my report on him. So coming out, he was 6'0", 210 pounds. So, so he was – oh, sorry, 202 pounds. 6'0", 202 pounds. He ran a 4'6", at Indy. He plays much faster than that. I gave him a third-round grade. said he plays a high safety, excellent range, can cover tight ends, takes good angles – uh, rangy athlete. I said he's a catch tackler. He wasn't a real physical striker, but in terms of a floater over the top, outstanding. Go, go get it. And he's in a defense with what they have there, Bucky, to kind of be that sweeper uh, on the on the back line there. Uh, what a beautiful fit with an athlete, a scheme. Uh, he's going to be. He's going to. He's going to go to some Pro Bowls there. There's a reason why they decided to move on from T.J. Ward. Oh, absolutely. I think he's an upgrade over T.J. Ward from an athleticism standpoint. He gives them the ability to play better against the pass. T.J. Ward was a striker, was a hitter, but there's a reason why they let him kind of move on. This is a secondary that has gotten better, has helped them. This is a team that has gone back to kind of the style of play that kind of helped them be a Super Bowl champion, run the football, take care of it as a quarterback, and allow your defense to create opportunities. That's what they're doing in Denver right now. 
Well, I was trying to be efficient with this pot. I was trying to get a pace up, get us through it. I, a couple bonus items I'm going to throw in there just real quick. We don't even need to elaborate on it. Uh, just these rookie running backs. You can find them anywhere when you look at what Chris Carson, unfortunately the injury in that game, but you've seen what he's done. Wayne Gallman made his debut today, did a nice job out of Clemson, uh, making some plays there. You saw Austin Eckler, small school running back with the Chargers getting after it. Eli McGuire, Louisiana Lafayette, what he did. So we've seen so many of these running backs. You find them all throughout the draft. We've seen them each week. We seem to see another one or two emerge. Uh, that seems to be a trend. And the last little bonus nugget I wrote down here, the Eagles found themselves a running game. They've kind of had a back by committee. Uh, and they used a bunch of backs today. They were all effective. But LeGarrette Blunt. That's what. That's the kind of run they need from him. He was physical, 16 for 136, including one of the most violent runs of the year. You know, when you talked to Deuce Staley early in the offseason, he talked about that is a big man. Uh, he's physical. The earth moves when he kind of rumbles in between the tackles. LeGarrette Blunt gives the Philadelphia Eagles something that is very, very similar to what Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch gave the Seattle Seahawks when they were trying to kind of break through. He gives them an identity. He gives them the ability to play big boy football, to kind of run it out, to salt the game away, and to really help their defense as the Eagles are beginning to play and as they're beginning to find the recipe for success. I think that recipe has to include a couple of doses, a couple of sprinkles of a Gary Blunt each and every week. No question. All right, Buck, here's your chance, man. What, what do you miss? You want to fire something else in there? I was trying to go under 30. I, we'll let Sully tell us the time here in a minute, but I think I think we got it. I think we got a chance to get this one done under 30. Man, I nope. think I think, no I, chance. I think I think um I think we hit everything when we talked about the Bills. We talked about Andy Dalton. I wanted to do Cam. Uh, we got that in. I think the big thing that we have to talk about, and maybe we owe the New York Jets fans a bit of an apology because their <laughs> team uh, is tied with the New England Patriots. But I will say this about the New York Jets and how they're doing it. They're playing hard on defense. They're doing a pretty good job of kind of rallying to the ball and making it tough for the opposition. And Ty Bowles, look, I thought he was a lame duck coach. I, I, I thought it was going to be tough for him to get through, and it still may be tough for him to get through. The guys are responding, and they're playing for him, and there's something to be said for that when you're evaluating your coach. No question. They're playing hard. And well, Look, we're not apologizing here, but they're playing better than we thought, and I'm almost tempted to say – some of these other teams are worse than we thought. The Jets aren't better than we thought. Man, the <laughs> Dolphins, the team that they just beat, they went over to London just completely laid an egg. They look terrible. They beat the Jags by three points in a game where they needed a running back to fall on the ground and hop back up without being touched to run 75 <laughs> yards for a score, and they beat the Jags in, in OT. The good news is, though, Buck, they got the Browns. They're at the Browns next week. The Jets are going to be 3-2. and two. They have a winning record. How about that? It's crazy. Unbelievable. Josh. Sully, how are we doing on time? Did we get we're under good. 30? Uh, we're sitting a little bit over 30, but it's good oh. content. It's good content. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> uh, we're going good. And that's a, that's a solid effort there. I wanted Absolutely. to go under 30, but we keep anyway. it right around 30. So yeah, that, that, that'll work. Good. Uh, Buck, go to bed, man. It's been a long day. Had a good run here. Fun episode. Uh, unless you have anything else to add, I say we get out of here. Nah, let's get out, man. I think we hit them all with the 10 takeaways. Uh, there we go. There's your 10 takeaways from the Move the Sticks podcast presented by the Ford F-Series. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Please uh, tell a friend. Let's try and keep this thing going. The numbers keep going up each and every week. Uh, we've enjoyed doing it. Hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And uh, we'll catch you just in a couple days. Remember, move the six three times a week. You can get it iTunes. You can find it at NFL.com slash podcast. we got all our videos. Uh, you can find those NFL.com slash MTS video if you're looking for those. We have a Thursday show. Uh, it's actually a video show. It ends up being an audio podcast as well. But be sure to check that one out on Thursdays. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time. 
Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway.